welcome back to the fifth episode of the five yard fantasy podcast my name is jackson durham and today i am once again joined by the illustrious andrew spergoza today we're going to be talking about some of the most notable performances that happened last weekend and then moving into some of my qb rankings andrew how you doing today I'm doing good, and I just want to let the audience know that this morning I woke up and I was just tasting some hot takes. So oh. I'm thinking today's going to be a very hot day out of me. I don't know about you. Andrew, Andrew's feeling hot today. All right, I like it. I like it. Delivering hot takes. That's what we like. Yes, sir. All right, let's move into some of these notable performances. We're not going to do too much review on the actual games that happened. We're just going to talk players. Uh, from Houston, L.A., Lance McCutcheon. Somebody I had pointed out uh, after the preseason week one review as being a guy that could compete for his job. Every single time he's on the field, he's just getting yards, getting catches, five receptions for 96 yards. He is great. Uh, Undrafted free agent. Lance McCutcheon really seems to have earned that spot on the L.A. roster. He looked really, really good in that game. Uh, So something to be excited about for the L.A. Rams, a little bit more depth at receiver, something they kind of struggled with with the whole 2-2 Atwell situation. He didn't really work out as a draft pick. Uh, how do you feel? Lance McCutcheon absolutely balled out. He was really playing an amazing game. He did have that error on the last play of the game where he should have gone out of bounds. But mm-hmm. other than that, he really did dominate and he was catching like crazy. Yeah, some of the discipline stuff and like some of the awareness things, I think will take a little bit more time for Lance. But uh, having a deep receiver that could maybe replace Ben Skoranek, who really was rough for them last year. Uh, that's good. Davis Mills for Houston. Uh pretty rocky outing they they played him a lot more than I expected them to and the first like five drives were really rough uh he just couldn't really get much going couldn't link up with his receivers uh not many first downs and then finally late in the first half they get a really good drive going and he links up with Nico Collins for a touchdown they do appear to have some chemistry there Collins and Mills that does appear to be like a nice little connection for Houston but overall, a pretty concerning game for Davis Mills, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Davis Mills. I'm not going to lie. I didn't really like how he looked out there on the field. And I really liked how Jeff Triskel looked. If you watched any of uh, his few plays, I think he was only out for one drive. But he really, really controlled himself, had some excellent passes and scrambled really well. So if I were Houston next week, I'd really invest in putting Triskel for a couple more snaps and see how he does. Because... Just based off of this game alone, I liked Jeff Driscoll just a little more than Davis Mills. Yeah, Driscoll's been in the league for years and years, former backup with the Bengals. Uh, he's got some burners on him. He's he's pretty solid. Uh, more mobile than than people realize, and he's, yeah, he's been around, so definitely a veteran that could step in there. Uh, moving on to New England and Carolina. Uh, the first little news we got for Carolina, they named Baker Mayfield the starter this morning. This is Monday morning. Uh, no Darnold or Baker in this game, meaning that decision was definitely made during the joint practices like we suggested it probably would be. Like we've said, those joint practices have been extremely valuable for these teams in this last couple of years, especially in making these decisions where they really run a lot more 100% work, a lot more starter work. So uh, no big surprise there. But uh, I think a big surprise for New England was Lil Jordan Humphrey, who has an excellent name, uh, Texas receiver. <laughs> he five receptions for 71 yards and definitely a positive surprise for them. He could end up being a factor in that New England wide receiver room, uh, which just really doesn't have any depth or any much top end talent either behind Devontae Parker and Kendrick Bourne. 
Yeah, I was going to say that, that the New England wide receiver room is definitely not the hottest at the moment. And just to see somebody that's showing a little bit of promise, a little bit of explosiveness, that's definitely something that New England should be a bit excited about. That being said, from a fantasy perspective, I would probably look away from a lot of New England wide receivers this season. Some, but some people I do want to mention from this game that blew my mind were part of the front seven on New England. I praised them last week and they proved it. I really liked how Josh Uchi looked. I loved how Judon looked. And and Fernie Jennings, he absolutely killed it in the fourth quarter. He was pressuring the quarterback nonstop. P.J. Walker had no answer for Fernie Jennings, it seemed like. And that was really cool to see from the defensive side of things. Absolutely. That New England defense, they really did look solid. Uh, they've given their starters a little bit more run than I expected this preseason, uh, which is good to see. They're, they're definitely trying to get something going. Uh, they looked great last year, and hopefully they can carry it over. Uh, New Orleans and Green Bay moving on another rocky outing for uh, I guess potential Saints franchise quarterback Ian Book who just hasn't really been able to put a solid full outing together Uh, he flashes mobility at times which he did at Notre Dame too I think he's kind of underrated as a running quarterback but his passing is just not where it needs to be which kind of surprises me because he was so accurate in college like I figured it would maybe be a flip-flop where he would be a really good pocket passer at the NFL level, but he just has not been able to be the solid decision maker that he was at Notre Dame for the saints. Uh, Definitely restricting their offense, but Chris Olave did manage to snag a nice little touchdown and get a ton of praise during joint practices this week. Uh, So solid signs for Chris Olave. Saw a lot of good things out of the saints offense. Honestly, Ian book was not one of the things I saw, but Chris Olave absolutely killing it. His hands were just amazing on that touchdown pass. He really contorted his body, which was cool to see just a pretty good side on uh, new Orleans side. But you know, the real talk of this game is probably Jordan love. Mm. He played a lot better than I thought he would. He really presented himself as a really good pocket passer for like the first time that we've seen. Yeah, he struggled a little bit on the scrambles, but I thought he was pretty good at uh, just maintaining himself in the pocket. I think a lot of the drops weren't his fault, so to say. So good yeah, stuff I, out of Jordan Love. I think LaFleur mentioned he had five receiver drops, which that's something we've noted about the Green Bay receiving core this year is that it's going to have some issues. Uh, Rogers voiced his frustrations about dealing with that many young receivers, and they just they're going to have some concentration drop issues. Not many of them are high round picks. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting year in green Bay from the receiving core perspective, but Romeo dubs has been able to step up and be that guy that has, that seems to have a lot of long-term potential for them alongside kind of Christian Watson, who we haven't gotten to see yet, but uh, dubs grabs another touchdown. Uh, Rogers said about him that he makes a splash play every single time he's on the field. And that has remained true. Uh, he, he wasn't <laughs> huge throughout this game, but he did manage to get that one big splash play in. Uh, so there you go for dubs moving on to Buffalo and Denver. Uh, this one, Josh Allen, literally perfect on his first series. He only played one series, uh, but he leads a six play drive, 70 yards and a touchdown three for three for 45 yards and a touchdown. You cannot do it any better than that. Uh, he linked up with Gabe Davis for that TD. Pretty good sign for the Buffalo offense in this one. Uh, 510 yards of total offense for them. They look really, really good. Yeah, Buffalo is going to be the team to beat this year. Like, I have no question about that. I think that this might just be their year. The entire team just looks really perfect. And I could honestly see this Buffalo team winning 
15 games in the regular season. And I'm, I'm not even afraid to say that. Like, they're a very, very good squad, and they're showing it in the preseason. They've, we've been hearing it from their preseason t- practices and stuff like that. They're going to be very, very good. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't shock me. If they can stay healthy, I think they could definitely win 15 games this year. Uh, I just – it was something interesting to me is I was a little bit worried about the move from Ken Dorsey to Brian Dable, but Dorsey as a play caller, especially in this game, looked incredible. He made Case Keenum look like an all-pro quarterback <laughs> out there. And that's not easy to do. Case Keenum is not – I mean, he's not, he's not a bad quarterback, but nothing, nothing great there. So for as good as he looked, I was super, super impressed with Dorsey's play calling. I felt like he was just hitting it right on the money every single time. Uh, And maybe even a step up from Dable, who is uh, a very excellent play caller in his own right. So really, really good sign for Ken Dorsey in that offense. On the Denver side of things, you kind of got steamrolled. Uh, The defense, not good. Not a lot of positive takeaways for the Denver defense, uh, but they did rest almost all of their starters. Uh, So I think the biggest takeaway from this one is Denver's probably not very deep, uh, which is definitely a concern. If injuries do strike the Broncos, things could get ugly. Only big starter performance was Albert O, uh, four receptions for 32 yards for the starting tight end, or I guess the slated starting tight end. Pretty pretty solid performance for him. Someone I've harped on a lot in fantasy this year. I still really like Albert O. I think he's really good volume. Yeah, quick thought on the Denver defense. I just want to comment. Yeah, they have absolutely no depth, and I really want to highlight this. This is something to consider. They were being pushed around by the uh, the reserves of the Buffalo Bills, and they made them look silly at times. So something I just want to say from a fantasy perspective, I would not be looking at the Denver defense <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely not. And just another point, because you made that point, don't draft a defense in the first 10 rounds of your draft anyway. I, ma- I made a video on TikTok Wait. about this this week, but just don't do it. It's There's <laughs> zero defenses in the NFL are worth drafting in the first 10 rounds of your draft. Uh, Agreed. Moving on, Kansas City versus Washington. Patrick Mahomes plays a lot in this game. Uh, pretty solid outing for Mahomes. He had some typical Mahomesian plays where he's throwing off his back foot and throwing sidearm and doing all those things you generally shouldn't do as an NFL quarterback, but he just makes them work. Uh, 12 for 19 for 162 with two touchdowns. He is three for three on leading drives to the end zone uh, in this preseason. And I think the other notable Kansas City player, at least for me, Jody Fortson, pretty solid game for the backup tight end, four receptions for 19 yards and two touchdowns. He was getting schemed up really well for to make some big plays, and that is interesting. He was injured a lot last season, but I think he's somebody that could fight with Blake Bell and Noah Gray for that backup tight end role behind Travis Kelsey and see some action later this season and potentially into the future. He's still very young. I liked how Fortson was playing, absolutely. And I think that they could even implement him a little bit as a slot receiver type role. Obviously, he's a big body, so have him push if he can. But they've got a pretty deep squad to begin with, so just to know that they have this reinforced depth with Jody Fortson is a pretty good thing for Kansas City to look into. Yeah, I think he he probably locked up his roster spot uh, if they can save one for a fourth tight end, but I think maybe he might cost Noah Gray his job. Sam Howell for Washington, pretty up and down. He did lead that big touchdown drive, 93-yard touchdown drive, which anytime you can pull that off, that's pretty impressive. But uh, just overall, he had some pretty good moments in the first week of the preseason and some really rocky throws uh, where you kind of see why he was a fifth-round draft pick. And I think it was a lot of the same 
this week, 10 for 18 for 122 and a pick. He managed to avoid getting himself picked off the week before, but he had probably three, probably two or three throws that should have been picked off. And this time he does get himself picked off. So Sam Howell, uh, definitely going to need some time to cook behind Carson Wentz, in my opinion. I completely agree. There's not much more to say other than he needs to just learn a little bit from Carson and just take this season as a learning curve because what he's been doing has not really been working, so to say. Yeah. Someone who does seem ready to contribute right away, Brian Robinson. Uh, Eight carries for 31 yards, really steady rushing performance, a lot of really nice rushes. Uh, Washington really likes what they have, clearly, and Robinson. Uh, And I think that's bad news for Antonio Gibson and Antonio Gibson fantasy owners uh, like myself in one of my (laughs) leagues, which is already drafted. Uh, I know, a really big bummer. I should not have drafted this early. Uh, Gibson was mostly used as a receiver in this game. Uh, and I think Robinson does figure to be a huge handcuff to Gibson this year could be very problematic for his value. I would have liked to see Gibson a little more, uh, running this game, kind of like a redemption from last week. Maybe, uh, during training this week, he, uh, proved himself not worthy enough to run a lot this preseason game. I don't know. I didn't really read the reports too much about that, but yeah, I think Robinson and Gibson are going to have to battle that one out. I think so too. And again, like we've talked about in the past couple of weeks or of the episodes of this podcast, it's hard to make a lot of big sweeping takeaways from a preseason game. Cause it's like, did Gibson prove himself unworthy or did he prove himself totally worthy of the job? And that's why he didn't get the volume because he, obviously the rushing volume wasn't there for him this week. Uh, They did speak relatively highly of him in camp, not too much knocking on him, uh, especially considering the the issue of the fumble. But I I do feel like Brian Robinson figures to be a major factor in that Washington offense. Uh, They want to see what they have in that young guy. He's very talented. Moving on, uh, Baltimore and Arizona. We got Trace McSorley time uh, and and he threw it on a dime to the Ravens (laughs) twice. Uh, 18 for 34 for 229 with two interceptions for Trace McSorley. Just a little bit of a rough outing for the former Penn State legend. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Tyler Huntley was phenomenal. 13 for 14 for 129 and a touchdown. Uh, he continues to prove himself to be one of the best backups in football. Uh, and the scheme fit there is just beautiful. Like, if you're the Ravens, you have to feel so confident knowing that even if Lamar Jackson does go down you have this basically diet Lamar Jackson right behind him where you, you he has such a similar skill set to Lamar in similar running ability. Obviously he's a pretty talented passer of the football and they both work so well. So I feel like you have to, that gives you so much confidence as a team that even if Lamar goes down, you're still going to be really competitive with Tyler Huntley as your quarterback. I just think Trace McSorley forgot that he moved teams. I think that's what ended up happening. Yes, he just yes. saw the purple. He wanted to throw right at it. I completely understand. He saw his no. old teammates, and he <laughs> he was trying to help them make the team. I think exactly. that's what it was. Exactly. <laughs> Give him a freebie. He did not play too hot, unfortunately. But yeah. as you said, Tyler Huntley balled out. So he's going to be a really good second option for the Ravens if anything happens to Lamar. But – I expect we're not going to see too much Tyler Huntley other than maybe a wildcat call here and there. Yeah, I hope not. I mean, Lamar's pretty high on my QB rankings that we'll get into in a minute. 
Uh, speaking of the Ravens, Isaiah likely Baltimore tight end, eight receptions for a hundred yards and a touchdown. He balled in this game. And I love Isaiah likely. Uh, he out of coastal Carolina, one of my favorite tight ends in the draft, uh, someone who is just a reception magnet, uh, and is super effective after the catch too. I think he is a steal for dynasty. I don't know how much value there is this year. Uh, it's really going to depend on how heavily the Ravens lean into those three tight end sets, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, I think Isaiah likely could potentially be a huge target down the line uh, with the Ravens. He's super, super talented. I could see him at number three target for them. I'm not even going to lie. We've got Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman in front of him. I think he might have just locked in that third number three position for the Ravens. We'll see. He, he just has such a unique skill set because he's big body and so much athleticism. Uh, there's so many different ways you can use likely. He's not a great run blocker, uh, but he is fantastic uh, with the hands. And I, they got Charlie Kohler, too, to fill in that role as a run blocker because he bulldozes people uh, <laughs> and has pretty good hands, too. QB rankings. Let's do it. Uh, I'm, I'm ready for this. And I think Andrew is too. I, I showed Andrew my first list, uh, when we did this and then I had to rework it cause he, uh, he bodied me a little bit too hard. So <laughs> this is, this is going to be a bit of a surprise for Andrew. He, he has never seen the final list. Uh, and if you've missed the last two episodes, we went over my top 10 receivers and my top 10 running backs. Uh, so now it's time to do the QBs. And let's go ahead and get into it. I, I got the list on my phone here. So, so let's, oh, let's see. Let's hear it. I'm excited to hear this. I'm excited. I hope so. All right. We'll we'll go from 10 down. Uh number 10, Dak Prescott, Dallas Cowboys quarterback. I I left him at 10 and I really feel confident about this. Dak still has the rushing upside. CD Lamb, I feel like is going to step into that receiver one role and be phenomenal for him. He's still got weapons behind Lamb. The only big concern I have for Dak, who figures to get even more volume as a passer with the Cowboys running game being a little bit more change of pace this season, I think, with Tony Pollard and Zeke kind of sharing that role, is the health of the Cowboys receiver room going to be there for Dak, though? I think that's the big concern. Gallup's not there. Can Jalen Talbert step up as receiver number two and be a big target as they're kind of the third target in that offense behind CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz? I think that's kind of the only thing that remains to be seen with Dak, but top 10 fantasy quarterback pretty much every time he's healthy, hard to bet against him doing it again this year. Got to go with him. I have him a little higher on my list. I admit I have him around QB seven for me because, well, I, you bring up a really good point about his wide receiver room. And it's not as good as it was last year, obviously, but I think they just added an amazing, amazing target with Kavante Turpin. He absolutely balled out this preseason game, earned his earned his spot on the team, I think. Extremely fast, extremely electric. That's going to be another passing option Dak's going to have. And something that I think people are kind of forgetting was last year, Dak started off really, really slow because he was coming back from injury. I think he was breaking into things, but... Last about six, seven weeks, Dak Prescott was a top three quarterback in fantasy every single week without fail. I think we can see that again from him from the start of the season. I think he's going to be really good. All right. Moving on to my number nine pick, Joe Burrow, Joey B. This one's going to be controversial. I know a lot of people are going to hammer me for this one. He's too low. He's too low. I think he's just getting drafted too high. ADP one. Joe Burrow was phenomenal last season on the field. He was great. He's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, 
leads Jamar Chase and T Higgins to two phenomenal seasons, but he still wasn't super fantasy productive. So I do find it hard to justify him being selected in that QB five QB six range where he's currently going when he produced like QB 11 last year, despite being phenomenal on the field. So like, I, I do find it hard to connect the, is he going to, how's he going to get that much better that he's now QB five in fantasy? You know what I mean? I think that's kind of my, my reservation with Joe Burrow, which is why I have him at QB nine. I think he's phenomenal. I think he'll be great this season. I just don't know that his skill set is super fantasy inclined at the end of the day. I think he, he lacks that rushing upside. He's still recovering from surgery. So I think he has almost zero rushing upside this season because he's going to try <laughs> to protect himself. Uh, so I just, I have to view Joe Burrow as his ceiling is probably that QB eight, QB nine range to me. And that's where I've got him. I think he'll play to that level, but. I don't disagree whatsoever. I think we're on the same page here. I personally have him a little lower over at QB 10, mm-hmm. but I think we're in the same mentality. I think he's being completely overdrafted and people are looking a little too, I don't know, recency bias, goat bias, so to say, with Joe Burrow. So I think I think that's a really good spot to have him over at QB 9. All right. I, I appreciate that. Uh, that's, that feels good as we get into what should be the, the most controversial legs of the, uh, the rankings here. No, <laughs> number eight, I got Kirk Cousins. I feel like you'll like this one. Uh, oh, I love it. Kirk, Andrew rides hard for Captain Kirk. Uh, and I, I got him at eight. I think he's got two phenomenal pass catchers in Adam Thielen and Ju- Justin Jefferson, excuse me. I think he's he's in a very similar situation to Joe Burrow, where neither of them really present much rushing upside, but they both have two phenomenal pass catchers. But I think Kirk Cousins has the benefit of his catchers being even more proven than uh, Joe Burrow's, and Kirk Cousins is even more proven as a fantasy-effective quarterback. So I do have to slot him in just above Joe Burrow. How do you feel about that? I've got the stats right here. Kirk Cousins was QB 11 last year, averaging 19.2 fantasy points per game. So that's pretty decent. And with the addition of Kevin O'Connell as their head coach, an air raid heavy mindset, I think Kirk Cousins is going to skyrocket. I think I honestly have him at top five. I really think that there's always one or two players that blows everybody, everybody's mind. I think that's going to be Kirk Cousins this year. I know he's, kind of a mean player, but I think he has the talent and he has the surrounding constellation of stars in front of him for him to have an absolute baller year. I have him in the top five. Well, there's that hot take you promised. We finally got it. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Lamar Jackson coming in hot at number seven, lucky number seven for Lamar. I, I love Lamar a lot. And I think he could even end up much higher on this list, depending on how heavily the Ravens lean into what I hope they lean into this year, what they've seemed to have built their roster to lean into this year, which is that three tight end set. He won the MVP uh, in 2020 when their offense was heavily built on three tight end sets. And now they have three super talented tight ends in Mark Andrews, Charlie Kohler, and uh, Isaiah Likely, who we just talked about a lot. I think this will be phenomenal for him. I think he could get back to that offense if the running game is there for him and he'll be a major part of that. I think he could blow up as a fantasy receiver. He's going to need Rashad or a fantasy quarterback. Excuse me. He's going to need Rashad Bateman to step up though. That's going to be, I think the one missing piece is can Rashad Bateman fill that role as receiver number one and give him a reliable target number two uh, behind Andrews. And can Isaiah likely be target number three or can someone else step in to fill that role? You know, I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. 
when I first read your list, I liked the idea of having Lamar Jackson in the top 10. But the more I pondered on it, I'm not sure how I feel about it anymore. I don't because, as you mentioned, they lost Hollywood. Halloween Brown. Hollywood Brown. And I just don't see the, I don't see the wide options in that team. I see the three tight end set. That just seems like a lot of traffic. And if he wants to run up the middle like he likes to, or if he wants to scramble around, I don't see him having too many options. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Lamar Jackson is going to produce as much as we want him to. So I'm going to, I'm going to lay content on this one. Seven. You have him at seven, right? Mm -hmm. I have him at seven. I think that's, I think that's generous. <laughs> okay. Okay. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, I think the thing that I love about the Ravens three tight end sets is the freedom that it gives them to kind of confuse the opponent a little bit, because you can line up in a three tight end set, and then you can pass out of a three tight end set. You can run out of a three tight end set. You can QB run out of a three tight set, tight end set. You can do basically anything under the sun out of a three tight end set, especially when you have super athletic tight ends like they do. And I think that's the big danger there is that the defense really never knows what's coming because you realistically, you could line up in a three tight end set 50% of your snaps, which is basically what they did back in 2020. And the defense will never know what's coming. They, that could be play action pass. That could be read option run to the QB. That could be a million different things. So I think that's the danger there. I really do hope they get back to it because they were so, so effective when they were running that sets. And I think they have even better tight ends than they did in 2020. I could see that they're going to be a team to watch for sure. Mm -hmm. It's going to, it's all going to come down to how heavily they lean into it to me. And I think, I think they will lean into it heavily. Cause I mean, same head coach who was the mastermind behind that 2020 season. I think he sees the value in it. I think they tried to get away from it. And then I think they're correcting the mistake this year. Yeah. Moving on to my number six spot, Tom Brady, the goat. I had him a little higher on the original list. Uh, and I had to slide him down a few spots because I just that regression on the offensive line, which is something that you reminded me of. I think it's going to be a bigger factor than I initially counted on, but I think Brady's still getting underdrafted. Brady, I think he's in that like eight to 10 range for QBs, if I'm not mistaken right now. Uh, fact check me on that, but it's it's a little bit absurd for somebody that has been as fantasy productive as he has when he's in during his time in Tampa Bay. I think that continues this season. Uh, the pass catchers are still phenomenal. I like Tom Brady again. It's, it's hard to bet against the GOAT. It is very hard to bet against the GOAT, especially that last year he was QB3 overall with uh, averaging 22.8 fantasy points per game. So he was absolutely balling out last year. But as you mentioned, and as I brought up to you earlier today, that offensive line completely collapsed upon itself. They lost just about everything that was going for that offensive line that was keeping Tom Brady comfortable in the pocket. With his years coming up to him, I'm not sure if he's going to be as mobile. I mean, I say that every year, and then he always proves me wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> eventually it's got to catch up to him. <laughs> so I like that you put, I like that you lowered him significantly. I would have maybe even lowered him. You had him at six. No, I think I would have kept him at six because you're right. The goat factor is the scary factor. If it was any other quarterback in this situation, I'd probably drop him down to like nine or eight. But oh man, it's the goat, you know? <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's, I, we'll, we'll cover it more when we finish the whole list. But uh, moving on to number five, Kyler Murray. This one I know you disagree with, 
uh, and we'll get into it. But Kyler, to me, has been a little bit overhated this season. And I know I'm biased because I'm a big Oklahoma Sooners guy, but he is so electric. He's such an electric ball carrier. He's such an electric passer. They do scheme him up to run and to get into the end zone, so you do have that fantasy value there. I think he holds so, so much more value than people realize. He was immensely valuable last season. He only played 14 games, and I think he was, what, eighth in fantasy points per game. I think he gets better this season. The only big concern I have is he's going to miss a few games. Or is DeAndre Hopkins is going to miss a few games. The first six games he will be suspended for. But they did bring in Marquise Brown to help kind of uh, mitigate the damage of that a little bit. So how do you feel about this, even though I, I kind of already know how you feel about this? <laughs> I don't like, I don't like it now. <laughs> it's a, uh, the, the reason for that being like, there's a lot of drama coming out of Arizona right now. We've heard everything about training camp, about how Cliffs Kingsbury and Kyler Murray have had contract disputes, the whole call of duty thing. I'm sure you've seen all the TikToks about his regression when a call of duty game comes out. Like there's just a lot of things that make it seem like Kyler Murray is not going to have himself a year. Now, my main concern is I'm looking at the analytics of it. Last year was the year, like DeAndre Hopkins got out. The team sort of fell in on itself and it just played badly. I was looking at the stats earlier today. He, in the first six or seven weeks, he was a top three quarterback in fantasy. In the last six, seven weeks, he was not in the top 10. He was showing a lot of weakness in his game. And I think that's just going to be the start of his season. And I'm just not sure if he's going to be able to pick it up once DeAndre Hopkins comes back, especially with all the noise going on in Arizona. I just don't see it happening. I hear you on that point, but I, I do think that bringing in Marquise Brown will help Kyler learn to not lean overly on DeAndre Hopkins, because I think that is kind of the main problem the offense has faced. Although well, the, the biggest problem with the Arizona offense is that it's led by Cliff Kingsbury in my opinion, who should never have a job as an <laughs> coach. But, You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, DeAndre Hopkins is clearly over-relied on, and it was a problem in Houston, too, for Deshaun Watson, where he's such a talented receiver, you just want to throw to him whenever it seems like he's open. And I feel like Kyler's kind of fallen into that as well. But bringing in his college teammate, his number one option in college, somebody he is almost best friends with, I think they're still to this day best friends, I think that will – help him get away from that stuck on DeAndre Hopkins thing. I think he can, he already has a lot of pre-existing chemistry there. I think they'll build even more during the first couple of weeks of the season. And then I think you just add DeAndre Hopkins in as that number one piece. And then Marquise Brown goes back to being a really nice compliment. So I really feel like, especially after the first six weeks of this season, Kyler Murray could explode in value with two really, really good receivers on the field. I'm just not sure if the six weeks are going to, I don't think he's going to hold his weight. I just don't think he will. Yeah. Can he hold water or tread water for the first six weeks? That's kind of my, my thing is I think he can, I think he, he offers you enough value independent of Deandre Hopkins that he can tread water and justify this ranking in the first six weeks and then really justify it as the season wraps up. But uh, it remains to be seen. Excited to hear number four, Jalen hurts coming in hot at number four. This is a hot take. I. Uh, Jalen Hurts, as a passer, is somebody that I have knocked repeatedly. Uh, and I still am not entirely sold on him. But I don't think you have to be entirely sold on Jalen Hurts as a passer to be entirely sold on his fantasy value this season. He is such an electric runner. They scheme it up. Uh, I'm so excited to see what he can do with A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith on the football field. It's going to be fun to watch. The Eagles have invested a lot in this season and a lot in making it go right for Jalen Hurts. He's got a great offensive line in front of him. 
there's really not much to dislike about his situation. And that's why I have to have him this high. If he doesn't play to this level, I think you have a major problem in Philly and you probably need to replace him at the quarterback position. As you're saying, if he does not absolutely ball out this season, then there is a serious, serious problem in Philadelphia. And I am an extremely biased person, as I mentioned last podcast, Philadelphia native here, Eagles fan for life. Jalen Hurts has a almost perfect situation for his game. He's got great receivers to throw to. He's got a great tight end to toss to. He's got an offensive line that will keep him in the pocket and one that can move mountains. I think he should be able to produce an insane season this year. Now, I honestly have him in the top three. <laughs> that is my second hot take. <laughs> I, 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 I feel like four is a hot take, but for me, I can totally justify him being in the top three. And anyone who says that they can't see an, a, a version of reality in which he finishes as a top three quarterback is lying to themselves. You, Absolutely. or they just don't know, or they haven't looked into the Eagles offense that much. Because if you look into that offense and what they've built, he totally has the potential to be the top three quarterback. And it's all on him. If he can play mm-hmm. at that level, he's, he's right there. Like everything else is in position for him to be great. He just needs to, to do it at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. He's just got to figure it out. And I think he's got it. He's got that dog. In him. I, I believe in it. I, I hear you. I, I'm super excited to see it. I, I'm rooting for him. He's an OU guy. So, all right, number three on the list, we got Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and this is, I feel like, not controversial, but a little bit lower than a lot of people have him. Uh, he's consensus number two by most people's lists. Uh, I just feel like there's maybe one other quarterback in a better situation than him uh, that people aren't really – realizing in my opinion but Patrick Mahomes uh and I see some people kind of on like the if you will like woke fantasy football Twitter uh being like drop Mahomes this year Mahomes isn't valuable this year he doesn't have Tyree Kill anymore and I hear you on that and I think there is maybe a little bit of a drop off in value there but he's also replaced him with Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who I think people massively underrate as targets in that system. And he still has tight end number one, Travis Kelsey. So there's still a lot of value in Patrick Mahomes to me. Mahomes is an absolute talent. There's no questioning that. I personally have him at number four, actually. So I can completely justify having him at three. I can completely justify having him at two. The loss of Tyreek Hill is kind of huge. Tyreek Hill was wide receiver number seven versus Juju being, I don't even know, he's deep in this list somewhere. But I still think Patrick Mahomes has the arm talent, the creativity, and the most importantly, he has the offensive line and tight end to cause some serious damage. Travis Kelsey hasn't disappeared, and Travis Kelsey is still a beast. So if he's not uh, cashing in a lot of points with Tyreek, I think he's just going to replace that with Juju and Travis. Absolutely. And I think, like you mentioned, there's a big drop off between Tyreek Hill to Juju, but I think exactly how far that drop off is kind of remains to be seen because Patrick Mahomes is such a talent elevator. So, and the jump from Ben Roethlisberger to Patrick Mahomes is seismic to say the least. Like that's a huge move. So I am really excited to see what we can get out of Juju Smith-Schuster, who's been like such a talented receiver in his past. I mean, 1300 yard seasons really, really good performances. At one point, he was thought of as like the next great Steelers receiver. So if we can get that guy back, and he's still so young too. 
people don't really realize that. I mean, he's been in the league for a while, so people just kind of write him off a little bit because he had two pretty rough seasons. But I still think there's a lot of talent there. I'm really excited to see what Mahomes can do with Juju, especially this season. Moving on to number two, Jay Herbo, Justin Herbert, uh, Los Angeles Chargers. I am excited for Jay Herbo this season. He, number two fantasy quarterback last season, which I think he kind of surprised some people. He surprised me a lot out of the draft. I was not huge on Justin Herbert coming out in that 2020 draft class. Uh, I just, nothing he really ever did at Oregon jumped off the tape to me. But it has been a completely different guy with the Chargers. He has been phenomenal. Uh, I have loved watching him. He just, he appears to be that dude. Uh, and I think he will have another fantastic season this year in LA. Keenan Allen's going to be great. Austin Eckler is going to be great in that backfield. They added Isaiah Spiller, who's a really underrated back as well. Uh, I think he could be a nice change of pace weapon. I'm just excited to see what can be done in that offense with just Justin Herbert. I mean, Jay Herbo, you don't average 23.3 fantasy points per game by being a scrub. Like, Justin <laughs> Herbert is that guy. <laughs> he played a phenomenal, phenomenal year last year, and he really took advantage of Keenan Allen's talents, and he took advantage of Austin Eckler's talents. He took advantage of everything he had. Uh, I mean, his record might not have shown it, and he didn't really have that good of a run in terms of record and wins, losses, and stuff like that, but he was still an extremely efficient quarterback at moving the ball, scoring touchdowns. He can't really do anything on the defensive side, so can you really blame him for the, like details like that? I think that's what a lot of people hold Justin Herbert back, like that he hasn't had a super successful season, but can't blame him for that. So I think this could be that year, though. Uh, the Chargers front offense, they did really go invest on the defensive side. They got a nice piece in the middle of the a defensive line in Sebastian Joseph Day. Really nice piece in the secondary in J.C. Jackson, uh, who I think is a super underrated cornerback. Phenomenal player. Uh, I, I'm excited to see what they can do. I think that improvement on defense will put Justin Herbert in some better situations than he's been in in the last few years and give him even more opportunity to score some fantasy points uh, and help that Chargers uh, team in – in the real world and help them win a bunch more games this year. Not even just more, uh, not just better situations. I think he's just going to have more situations. He's going to have a lot more volume on the offense because that defense does look a lot better than the defense from last year. So I expect Turbo to have the ball more in his hands, which means more fantasy points to come. Exactly. Uh, moving on to the number one. And uh, this one should be pretty obvious. Josh Allen. It's, I mean, who else? He, he is that dude to the nth degree. Uh, Josh Allen is a beast. <laughs> there is no better running quarterback in the NFL. There is no better. I mean, he might be one of the best passing quarterbacks in the NFL. He is, there's no better hybrid quarterback than him. And he's perfect for fantasy. Uh, I expect him to potentially once again, even be the most productive fantasy player in the league. I think there's no argument. I don't think there is a single player you could tell me who could reach Josh Allen's toe when it comes to fantasy performance this year. I really don't. I mean, the difference between Josh Allen and Jay Herbo wasn't that many points, but I just think that the situations between this year and next year, Josh Allen's just got light years better, and he's just a light years of a player better than Jay Herbo and Patrick Mahomes and anybody else that we've listed realistically right now. I think he is going to be that guy. I Here's another hot take. I would not blame a single person drafting Josh Allen in the first two rounds. I really wouldn't. 
No, I don't think you can. I think he is getting a little bit, uh, I think people want to push quarterbacks out of the first round and kind of underrate the value of the quarterback position when it comes to fantasy and say, you need to go get a running back and a, and a wide receiver. And to some degree, I can't fault you for that. Cause like we've listed, there's 10 really great quarterbacks in the NFL this year. So you can get a good guy deep, but the value with Josh Allen is huge. I mean, he has the potential to be the most productive fantasy player at any position this year. I could not fault you at all. If you went and drafted him with your first pick, it's or not the first pick in the draft, but with your first round pick, I think it's a, it's a totally fine selection. I don't think that's a, or a bust at all. No, absolutely. And I'm just looking at the numbers here. Once you get past like running back number five, they're all pretty much scoring roughly the same type of averages per game. So I think if you're getting in the deep first round and you got that ninth pick and those top five running backs are taken, I don't think it hurts you to pick up Josh Allen realistically. I don't think it would at all. No, I don't think so. And uh, there was a little bit of a back and forth on Twitter. I saw today that kind of reminded me of something I want to say, take your players when they're available. If there's somebody you believe in a lot, draft them when they're there. Like if Josh Allen's your guy at quarterback, get him. Like don't let somebody else take Josh Allen from you just because a fantasy expert told you he's third round value or he's second round value and not to draft a quarterback in the first round. I think it's totally justifiable to do that uh, and pull the trigger there. So Josh Allen going to be my number one quarterback in fantasy this year. Uh and I think we're out of here on that note. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us, guys. And uh, thank you for being here, Andrew. Thank you for having me. All right, y'all. We will see you on Thursday. Uh, Thursday's episode is going to be pretty fun. Uh, we are doing our fantasy draft for our Dynasty League. Andrew will be there. I will be there. Uh, a lot more friends will be hanging out. Uh, it'll be a really good time. Uh, can't wait. See you guys then. 